So Ephesians is where I want you to put your eyeballs. And we're going to pick it up in this. I just flipped over too far. We're going to pick it up in chapter 6. Some have said this sounds familiar to me. Great. You've been through the Bible several times. It should sound familiar to you. I also used a component part of this text on a teaching for graduation or baccalaureate night. But I've really sensed that it's important to, to anchor ourselves or perhaps to give a refreshment of thought to parents, perhaps heavy in their rearing of the kids, but also to give clarity to the kids in being suitable and responsible of taking that heaviness off of their parents. It's mutual. We don't have to be heavy. It takes two. So Ephesians chapter 6, it's a short word, but it's a wonderful word. So kids, listen up. Children, obey your parents. Note the word obey. I'm just camping there right now. Not any other word. Obedience means compliance without arguments. Obedience means compliance without arguments. Why is it then that we argue? It's because we're not walking in obedience. Why would we risk not arguing in obedience if in fact there's a blessing which is being granted right now? It's because we're human beings. We have a sin nature. When we can understand that the reasons that there are frictions within the home or in raising kids, if we reestablish the truth that it's not a perfect child we brought into the world, but rather a child being perfected, it will help you in the manner and means by which you discipline them and by the manner and means by which they obey you. So you may say, well, this is, you know, we've had this course. We've, we've, we know all about this. Great. So now learn more about all this that you indeed are professionals in for the kids that your kids may have, for your grandkids, for the next generation, for being able to pray. But the question is as well, when do we stop becoming children that no longer have to obey? And then who are we obligated to? Well, that's always an interesting question, but I know that there's a time in which a pa parent, having raised their kids, moves into a recess. It doesn't mean a resignation, it means a recess. There's a quietness in the court of judgment. There's prayerful ponderings in the predicaments that their children will have with their children, which are their grandchildren. I've seen that in the lives of my mother and father, I've seen it in the lives of my uh, folks on Christie's side who are my parents, and I've seen them with each season of grandchildren that have been raised, this beautiful, just resignation, this recess. They raised three kids beautifully, and they watched us raise four kids and, of course, other grandkids as well, dynamically. I think they would say beautifully, but certainly they gave way to the dynamics. So the question is, with regard to this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
See, that's the second component part. If it's to obey your parents in the Lord, then it means you are one, as well children, as well parents, that must be submitted to the Lord. And so what we learn in church is how to submit ourselves to the Lord that we might then, in this act of obedience, which is a requirement, successfully handle it. Why? Because the human nature is at work to defy the spirit in the act of obedience. Sometimes we go, why didn't I think of that? It's because that's another problem with the sin nature. It doesn't want to think about that dynamic. It has a bent to only think of the things that interest it. It's why when we always come back to the core issue, we're human beings. We are human beings that God has a divine influence on and who indeed has redeemed us and adopted us, but he's perfecting us. So how does it work? He says, in obedience and in the Lord. Okay, so what if it's in obedience but without the Lord? You've just canceled obedience. I can be obedient, seemingly, and without the Lord, and it might be impressive, but it's only for a moment. Obedience that stands the test of faith is one that's in the Lord and that obligates itself to honor the Lord regardless of the circumstance or the hardship. It doesn't have a timeline. It says, this is in the Lord. This is an act of obedience to my parents as I once was as a son or daughter, as I now am as a parent before the Lord. My obedience is to him. It's actually a very dynamically tensioned moment of rearing. I remember that as we raised Karis, who was our firstborn, one of the things that was important for us to teach her was spiritual principles. In this case, it was boundaries. I've shared it before, but I don't mind sharing it again. At the mission, the kitchen and the living room didn't have a division like we have in our homes. There was no distinct division, so we said, we will make a division. This area just in front of the stove is the kitchen, and she will not have permission to cross the line from the unobvious living room to the kitchen where she could climb up to the stove, turn on a handle that releases propane, because it had a requirement of both turning the handle and clicking, you know, that igniter. Either way could have been devastating, gas that would poison us, a fire that would burn us. And we said that's worthy of teaching obedience on. And so we didn't put up barriers, we gave commands. This line you shall not cross. You may say, how old was she? How old was she, Chrissy? One and two, we started training her. I probably could have figured that out, but thank you. She wasn't a teenager. <laughs> she wasn't writing us letters, okay? I don't even think she could communicate anything but goo goo gaga, all right? But we set up boundaries and we said to her, you will not cross this line. And if you do, you will be corrected. Okay, here you go. Oh, don't even say it. You didn't defy Dr. Spock, did you? Didn't you reason with her? Didn't you give her time out? No. It was time up. We gave her time up. 
we gave her a command and we said, this is time up. If you change and alter my command to you and defy obedience that will ultimately harm you, there will be a consequence. And so we employed not capital punishment, corporal punishment, both with word and action. Do you know how long it took her to learn the parameter of safety? Just about two or three corrections that consistently would be applied daily. And as a result, we didn't get burned out of our home and we didn't die from a gassing. <laughs> and she actually grew up to know how to handle that stove and do awesome recipes that blessed us with cooking because she matured into one who could handle the stove. What was the perimeter? Did you use sticky paper? Did you use barbed wire? Nope, it was the command, do not cross this line. Okay, but what was the line? It was saying this line, see it in faith. She could understand a transition line that she was to see in faith, and she did. Was it a carpet zone? Come on, get into the dynamics. I can tell you it was a line that was drawn by faith, and we stayed consistent with what that line meant. So whether to her it was a tile line, whether it was a carpet fabric, or whether it was literally by faith a line that she saw that she was not to cross, she did not cross it. Okay, so what about the boys, though? What about the boys? They moved into a different dispensation. There was only one who followed basically in her footsteps, and that was Spencer. The other two, we had a different configuration. When there are different configurations, commands can be flexible, but the principle remains in place. There's a boundary, not cross it. You cross this boundary, you will hurt yourself as well as hurt us. It's not to be crossed. Okay, so could it be, Rich, that in establishing a boundary that it works for a while but ultimately doesn't consummate in truly a blessing? Free will, God would tell you. He's given it to all of us. So how are you doing in free will? If you're a free-range chicken, you're going to eat where you want to eat and go where you want to go, but there's a coyote out there waiting for you. Mmm, the grass is good. Grain is awesome. Worms never better. Yeah, but where's your coop? I don't know. I was cooped up. I'm free-ranging now. If you're free-ranging, you're going to be limited with how many eggs you're going to be contributing. I don't know if that illustration works, but what I'm saying is we have free will. And though I understand and appreciate the packaging, mm, organic chicken, I'm not sure what it means. I, I, know, <laughs> I know what it means to those of you that raise organic chicken and let them go. But I'm saying as a result of what that liberty gives them, there's also liability. God says the liberty and freedom that I give you has liability. But if you listen to me, you'll know when it's time to come home to the coop so that the sun doesn't go down upon your day and you're then a victim to what is waiting for you. Principle. What's another thing that I learned in raising Karis and that actually was a principle that in learning it, we as well applied to our kids. That was letting her know very early. Why? Because it says here, we're to be parents in which children obey us and which it is in the Lord and in which the fruit of that is honoring us, father and mother, which is the first commandment and that also comes with a promise of blessing. All of that right there. So here's what we learned. It was important to tell her about her humanity. Like what? 
Well, we began to teach spiritual truth to her in our expectation, but we also knew that in our hearts she was able to understand just a little bit later down the road that it centered on this. Karis, you're a sinner. You didn't tell her that. We did. Through Bible stories, we would not let her believe that the character she was reading about was different than the character that God was building in her. And so we told her. How did she respond defiantly? Oh, don't say that about Karis. Well, I just did, so I can't take it back. So this is funny. <laughs> Chrissy was the one as a mother who had a meeting of the mind to deal with the heart. And I overheard this. And it was something to this effect. Karis, we're reading from the Bible. We've been praying concerning our bedtime Bible stories and what God has done for us. And right now you're resisting a truth that you know well. You and I, your father, your brother, everyone by nature is a sinner. And she did one of these kind of like Shirley Temple puff up the cheeks thing and a little bit of red. And I think that this is the exact phrasing. I am not a shinner. <laughs> and it was shinner. But we knew what she meant. And we knew what God said. And she was corrected in that mistruth so that she might not get her shins kicked later on or that she might not be a shin kicker later on. Kicking at the principles of God. It was cute, but be mindful as well. Parents, be mindful as well. Children, I'm a child of God's too. I have the vulnerability of being one that can snicker at the things that God says, don't touch, don't go there, don't do that. And it's not don't because he's a don't God. It's a God who understands the liberty and freedom that he's given to me as a child that he gives to us in parenting has great responsibility to it. Great responsibility to it. Why? In order that in this teaching here, just from Ephesians, there's a blessed life. And I will still remember as an interjection right now. I know I'm vacillating between little babies and big babies. I'm a big baby. And you can ask Christy, is he really a big baby? And she goes, oh, you don't have any idea. Really big. Really big. But one of the things that, that, that we've discovered right now in terms of the, the raising of our kids and the principles that we're teaching and the fact that there is seemingly what is where they were at and presently where they are and, and where we're at and presently what is required of us is this fact that there is a promise that we want fully satisfied in their life. And though what we apply to one child may seemingly have perhaps little adjustments to the second child, you need to understand there's not a comparison that God would say is per se 
line item what we do. It's always about obedience and therefore as long as that's our focus and it's to ensure that in honoring the Lord there is the fulfillment of the promise, there is flexibility with how we engage and raise our children. So with regard even to the illustration and right now with regard to for us what it means I want to flip over to another passage of scripture that I think will help also encourage, one, the next generation of maturing adults, and also for us to look back as well and to see the necessity of being responsible. So here's where I'm going to ask you to go to. I think I can find this very quickly. If you would turn uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is talking to one, and the implication is of youth, of youth, but the other component part is of maturity. Which is it? Is, is it maturity or is it youth? Which is it? I think it's both. Have you ever been impressed by youth that have a maturity that is unequal to their age? In other words, it's beyond their age. You see it? I see it all the time. When I'm with those who are part of my kids, you know, collective classmates, contemporaries, I marvel at where they are at their age when I project where I was at their age. Not everything necessarily uh, to that reflection points obviously to you know, super maturity, but in spiritual life and in wisdom, they are a generation to be admired. Timothy represented a generational young man that was to be admired and he was also being encouraged by Paul because he would be taking on a generation of older people that it seemed to me had a vulnerability of not respecting his age. So though the Lord has told us that with obedience, in this case, children ought to be, it would also suggest that to those of us older, if you would, as children of God, there is a necessity to encourage by virtue of respect to the young man. Here's where it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. That's a long list of what Paul would say. This ought to be a part of your attributes. But notice this, not despising the youth. I think it has a double-edged sword there. We're not to despise the youth that God is raising up, but the youth are not to exhibit anything less than stellar attributes that provoke honor and respect. It's both. The old people are not to disrespect them. The young people are to give them no cause. Children obey your parents. 
that it might go well for you in the land that the Lord is bringing you into. And at the same time, parents mature in your faith or maturing in your faith, you are still children of God. Be ones who can say, wow, you are such an example to us. Ran a couple, I ran across a couple of the kids this morning and I just grabbed and said, good to have you here in church. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being such an example in the church, sitting, hearing the word of God. Do you know who your teacher is today? Yep, me. I wanted to encourage them to be able to listen to me and to let them know I appreciate being listened to. But not just because I think that's a great thing. It's because it's a great word. Anytime the word's taught. We can give kids encouragement if we just say, this is what I saw in you. You were an example in this. That's what I saw. Wow, did you behave? Awesome. Others weren't going in that direction. It looked to me as though you were honoring God and the choice you made. Boy, do you love the Lord. I've never seen somebody just drip with passion for God like you are today. You love the Lord. I see that in how you're serving adults, how you're behaving with your mom, with your dad, with your brother, with your sisters, whatever it may be. You can take these as attributes and build up the next generation. Guess what they hear? When they hear that you're acknowledging that they love someone, guess what they're going to focus on? Being a better person of showing the love of Christ. When you emphasize their conduct is excellent, guess what they're going to focus on the next time? Their conduct. Why? Because correction will come, and that's important, but it's always balanced as well with acknowledgement of what is being done well. It's a balance. If parents are only focusing on what is being done well, but not correcting that which is not being done well, you get an imbalance. It's a facade. Correction has to take place. There's evidence of that in the Word. We'll take a look at it. But I love this because, to me, it is both Paul saying to this younger guy, you're worthy of not being looked down upon, not being despised. But Timothy, that's because of these attributes. These attributes make you one worthy of not being despised. Therefore, give no opportunity to be less than these attributes. And then to us, make sure that these attributes are emphasized and re-emphasized to the next generation. Okay, but how low do I go? As low as you can. Okay, but that little kid's just wearing a diaper. Bless them. Will that work? Have you tried? How many of us, perhaps once in diapers, were blessed by a grandfather, uncle, grandma, someone in the faith, you don't even remember, but they remembered the day that they listened to the Lord and suffered not to let you come to them. And they held you in their arms or they popped you on the head with a little commending tag. Good, Richie. God bless you. God bless you. I don't doubt that any of those things were effectual tools of ministry. 
Oh, little Richie, you need to get off that chair. You're going to fall, and you're going to break the chair, and you're going to break, and they grab you. They begin to alter that disposition that you had to be in a place you ought not be and to put you back down in the place that you need to be. The Lord. The Lord God. So one, I take great encouragement in this. And if you'll continue to look at it, it shows other areas in which learning this early and being commended to it frequently lends itself not only to a blessing presently, but also the area by which you will effectively minister within the church. Don't quit on the little kids. And by the way, your eyes upon another person's child and the manner by which you look at them as Jesus looked at them is of great advantage. Our kids have been saved by the eyes of others that kept them from harm. I know personally that as I've stepped out that door, and I've seen this wayward little kid with stars in his eyes, but not realizing that was a parking lot and a curb. I said, hi there. How are you? And the eyes are open. Are your parents with you? Are they outside? Here, let me have your hand. And let's go find mommy and daddy. And I'd bring him back in, only to realize there was another one coming. Why was I doing that? Because I knew that there were eyes not upon them by fault. No. Distraction. Life. So guess what I got to do for a moment in time? Shepherd them. I've been shepherded. You have too. And it's not about, get over here, find your mom and dad, or I'll get you a beating good. <laughs> it's shepherding their hearts. See, I was effective in disciplining them in that door moment as perhaps a father may say, or a mother may say, when we get home, there will be a house warming. Because you know you shouldn't have left the church doors without me. You know better. See, that can take place as well. Well, at the same time, what didn't take place was a tragedy because that shepherding spirit that says the young in a waywardness, in an innocence, in an ignorance, can find themselves in harm's way. But these principles lived out are important. And it's actually very encouraging when you see people with gentleness. Remember we talked about the last week? Thy gentleness has made me great. And when you see that engaged, it's pretty awesome. Thank the Lord for shepherds in my life that grabbed me by the britches, grabbed me by the wrist took me over with a whisper and said, hey, where's your mom? Where's your dad? With a shrug of the shoulder, he said, come here, we'll find him. We'll get him. As opposed to, have a nice day crossing that parking lot. <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> oh, you're just going to walk down the sidewalk and look in the pet store window? That's it? Oh, okay, great. You go do that. Have the time of your life. No. That's no more safer than sending them out in the parking lot. You rescue their little hearts. You unite them. Do you know how thrilled I was when losing Zachary, as I shared with you last week? The Lord shepherded Zachary and myself together to meet at a point, kind of like that ice spy thing where it's like back to back, and all of a sudden, oh, my son. 
And that was important to me because I had two minutes before my wife found me without my son, her son. See, then it would have been her son. I lost her son, not just my son. And I understand what that was like to have such relief out of the multitude of thousands of people being united with my son. Let's move over really quickly to Hebrews. <clears throat> I'm going to ask our attention be given over to chapter 12. So kids, addressing all of us, but young kids in particular as well, this says in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 12, it's familiar to us, let's Let's refresh ourselves and again, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Okay, chapter 12 of Hebrews, that was verse three. The reason that I'm saying there is that ought to be the beginning. Why? In discipline, what happens is we begin to pity ourselves or pity the person necessarily needing it. And then we become engaged in the story as, about, as to why it's unfair or unnecessary. God doesn't spend time with that. He simply says it's essential that children, you and I, are going to be put under correction, accept it, even as one, his son did. We never really think, I think, deeply about the suffering of Jesus, but this tells us pretty blatantly that when we consider him, this is what he did. He endured such hostility from what sinners? I am not a sinner. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. Such hostility from sinners against himself. Notice this, lest you become weary. Why am I weary? You're not considering the Lord primarily. You're considering the situation that for you perhaps is a corrective moment, a perhaps frustrating experience. Whenever we come back to the central person of our life, the means by which he is guiding and directing us and has chosen to live his life through us, we have to say, huh, I really don't have much to be complaining about, and I shouldn't be loathing and self-pity right now. Chances are I'm wrong, they're right. Chances are the Lord is teaching me through what seems to be a difficulty, but what I want is the difficulty to pass without the correction that brings me to the place of maturity. So as this continues to advance, it says in verse 4, For you have not yet resisted to bloodshed. What's the resistance mean? You've given up on yourself too early. You've called it quits in an uncomfortable moment of your experience being built up spiritually. You haven't allowed God to coach you through a hardship. I still think the best coaches in my life were the hardest ones in my life. They were the ones that were permitted for a season to create a public humiliation of me on the field. They were allowed to tailor how much pride I would exhibit above my teammates. They were the ones that were able to say, you're benched, Ablett. And I don't care that your father's a teacher. 
at the high school. You're either going to run the play the way that the play is to be run, or you're going to sit on the bench. And I'll put in someone who has a better heart and a stronger commitment. I love your touchdowns. I love the way you catch passes. But if you do that again, you're off the field. And so I remembered those things. But at the same time, those very coaches who ruthlessly counseled me and made that I behaved, made sure that I behaved, were the ones that ran out to the field when I was knocked out, got clipped. Not only I got simultaneously clipped, I got uh, forearmed on a pass. And just like in the movies, the little cartoons, the little Tweety Birds and stars were just going around in circle. They were the first guys to me to give me the smelling salts and being willing to even breathe breath into my lungs as I was gasping. The same ones that would say, without apology, you deserve correction, were the same ones that came to me to see that I would have revival. It's the way that God wants us to see ourselves. We deserve far worse, but when there's a correction in the spirit, we are actually deserving the very best of what God's doing. He's tailoring us, shaping us, conforming us to whom the image of his son presented as what? One who endured such hostility. If God chooses to use that, through what we would call a voicing, which has emotion to it from a father or a mother or a teacher or a coach or an employer that is God's privilege to do. I guarantee you when the young recruits get off the bus in San Diego at the Marine Corps Depot there, they are not greeted. Hey, good to see you. Would you mind putting your feet in that yellow, yeah, where the yellow booties are? Just put your feet there. Oh, that doesn't work for you? Okay. You can spread them out any way you want. Oh, you don't want to stand there? All right. Just kind of shoulder up to sit. That's fine. That isn't, they don't give you options at all. I went to that depot. It's a crack up. Um, part of it is that you realize that there's a standard. Those yellow feet mark tell you that's the beginning of the standard. Getting called off the bus is the beginning of getting called out. You're no longer your own man. You're the Marine Corps. You're the United States representative of this special force of military. And that's true. Army, Air Force, Navy, they all have one focus, to discipline those whom are recruits to make them into a one unit, like-minded, like-hearted, and willing to give up their lives in combat for the other person. It doesn't happen by giving options. So I just, I like what this says when I start playing my violin and feeling sorry for myself, God said, would you put your focus on my son? Jesus would say, hey, I can help you through this. I know